Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. Hello, this is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor is the Martin and Daly Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. This is our Friday edition, so we're looking at the news stories from the week. So stay with us. We have a lot that came up this week with Donald Trump in a court case and Tucker has some good news for us. So stay with us and we'll be right back. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious Great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code VICTOR50, that's code VICTOR50, at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 
20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, They've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Welcome back to the Victor Davis Hansen Show. Victor, I know that we're always trying to start off with something a little positive. And I thought the Tucker story that he's starting up a podcast of some sort or a cast of some sort on Twitter was good news. What do you think? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, the more you'll have Fox, you'll have Newsmax, you'll have Tucker. So uh, maybe it will expand rather than fragment the audience yeah. it has a there's some questions about it though when he says he's going to be on we don't know what that means is it going to be the same format he's got two beautiful studios in maine and florida uh is he going to have guests if his retina from fox come on is fox going to say if you go on to tucker's you can't go back onto fox i mean they don't do that with newsmax and that's one of the advantages, I think, of not being a paid Fox analyst. So somebody like me can go on to Newsmax or wherever I want. Um, yes. But I don't know if that'll be in the same policy that the Fox news analysts are. I think they're confined to Fox. But will the freelancers be allowed to go on Tucker as they are other venues? That'll be interesting. So I think yeah. it, all in all, it's it's great news. I think. I think also there's a shelf life on all uh celebrity people like that in other words you've got to get back in the game as quickly as possible because there's it's such a fragmented audience there's so much competition for what he does that and he does it so well that it's it's good to keep riding the crest of that wave and yeah. if, i think fox knows that so you know that 20 million dollars cuts a lot of ties if i could quote Sam Peckinpah, but, uh, you know, if he's willing to give up $40 million and then take a great risk, some of the projections on the revenues should suggest that he can make over $30 million a year. Mm. So, you know, if he has a pay for subscribe uh, subscribers list, if he's got ad revenue, if he gets pay for, you know, people who buy things via his, you know, his advertising, you can, he could make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on to the other things this week, um, Donald Trump and the verdict in court, that was the court civil 
lawsuit that was brought against him by E. Jean Carroll, who was accusing him of rape, but it appears that the court did not, the jury did not come down with a conviction of rape, but sexual abuse instead. So I don't really I don't quite, quite understand, understand at all. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. I think what they, so if you're ignorant of the case, as I am ignorant, then they're saying that Donald Trump coerced her in this room, wherever it was, dressing room, and he sexually assaulted her, but he didn't sexually penetrate her? Is that what they're saying? It's not actually rape? Are we getting back to Bill Clinton's, you know, territory? Didn't yeah. have sex. And that's one thing. The other thing is that does anybody really believe who's listening to this that if Donald Trump had not been president or had not run for president, this woman would have emerged after 25 years at that point and said Donald Trump did this? Or would she have filed a civil suit? And I don't think so. It's like saying with Al Alvin Bragg, does he typically go through all of the subpoena, all of the tax returns? Um, or bank loan applications of New York moguls to see if they, quote unquote, overvalued their assets or they just do it to Donald Trump. And would they do it to Donald Trump if he were not president? Again, that's what you're getting. And then if you cannot remember the year in which the incident happened, it's, that casts doubt on it. And if you've in your past said some kind of risky risque things like rape is sexy and all this and that didn't matter because that was not what it was about it was about getting a judge and getting a new york jury and then playing the access hollywood tape where he said this is what you can do and that gave that lowered the bar of his potential behavior and then a new york jury and a new york prosecutor of course is going to convicted, which also raises the question of what's the result politically. CNN is pursuing almost to the T their 2016 uh, strategy when he brought them, you know, a billion dollars and they gave him a billion dollars in free publicity and he probably gave them a billion dollars in increased revenues because they had him on all the time. He was calling the Scarborough show and people like Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and all the rest of them were saying, stop this. You're giving them free stuff. Give us free stuff. But they wanted to maximize their revenues because he was a celebrity and controversial. And then Trump thought that that would continue. And because he had worked with NBC and et cetera, it didn't. It was all part of a plan to build him up, get him the nomination, and then turn on him. Now what? They're doing the same thing. You turn on CNN or MSNBC, and it's kind of sort of, Maybe just Donald Trump wouldn't have taken on Disney. He's much more reasonable about abortion. He actually was willing to work across the aisle with reducing criminal sentencing of youthful offenders. He was very reasonable on gun control. He wouldn't shut down the government. He he doesn't want to, you know, penalize Disney inordinately. And that Ron DeSantis does. So they are doing the same thing. And Trump is attacking DeSantis from the left. And the, you know what's going to happen. 
They're going no, to No, I don't. Tell me. <laughs> well, you know what's going to happen. They're going to try to give him a billion dollars of free publicity and build him up. And he has a town hall, a CNN town hall, to host him in an exclusive event and then right, coming right after this. So they want to have these events. And then he gets the free publicity and they put him in that chair and they said, well, you just got you just got convicted, uh, lost a civil suit about sexual assault. Is that can you run for president when you've got to pay an indemnity for sexual assault? And then they're going to give him another one and they're going to say, Alvin Bragg just indicted you. And then he's going to say, well, I didn't come here to talk about that. And they're going to say, Latita James just indicted you and then he's going to have another cnn town hall and msnbc will get on and then they'll say miss willis down in georgia just indicted you and mr smith down in florida just indicted you and this will go on from now until a year from now or into the fall just believe me it will that's the whole left-wing yeah. game plan do you think so? Because it would sound like the left wing would be helping Ron DeSantis. If I were the left wing, in other words, I would give him no, the, the CNN voice and not do that to him. And then after he's elected or no. wins the primary, I would do it to him. The left wing has okay. two objectives. They hate Donald Trump. They're irrational. They don't care. If you told them that what they're doing is going to help Trump, they wouldn't care that but that's not the truth. But they will still wouldn't care. They hate him with a passion, number one. Number two, they are convinced that Joe Biden, as decrepit as he may be, or whomever might, whoever might take his place, can beat Donald Trump. And now why are they confident? Because they did it in 2020, they beat him. And in 2016, they beat him with a popular vote. And they're looking at the Electoral College and they're saying, we have changed voting laws in Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and we can beat him in these states. So we want him the nominee. So we're going to build him up and resonate his criticisms of DeSantis. And they both poll about the same. Sometimes DeSantis polls better against Biden. Sometimes Trump does. And so that's their plan. They think that if he can get just get the nomination, then they can handle the rest and they can get Biden elected. I don't know if this is I have no idea. I'm not saying this in any partisan way at all. I don't know if it's going to boomerang on as in 2016, where the the gambit work and he did lose the popular vote, but he surprised everybody. They weren't ready for him. So he had a fairly honest ballot and he won the electoral college in 2020. They were ready for him. And they changed the voting laws in March and April to ensure a 70% non-voting day balloting. And he wasn't prepared for that. And who knows what's going to happen, but that's what they're doing. And I don't know how they, Donald Trump's going to be going, giving us a town hall after someone has won a lawsuit. And then, you know, that he's sexually attacked her 30 years ago. That's not going to be a question. Of course, it's going to be a question. I don't, I think it'll have zero effect on his supporters. They know what's going on, that it's all set up, but I'm not sure how it affects the independent. And I don't know how Ron DeSantis is supposed to or will handle it. Is he going to say, this is just, again, another rogue prosecutor, another rogue claimant, another rogue 
uh, shakedown artist, another rogue just judge. And they're always, no matter what the lawsuit, no matter what the criminal indictment, they all have one thing in common. They wouldn't have done this unless Donald Trump was A, hated, and B, a celebrity. But, but, but Ron DeSantis would have never been accused of sexually assaulting, even if falsely he wouldn't have been in, in a lady's lingerie room with this crazy woman. That's what he could probably say. Yes. Yeah. Well, since we're on the subject. Caesar's and- wife must be a Caesar's wife must be above suspicion. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> oh, well, was, I, mean, I, think it's, I understand it, in, it but it's in Shakespeare, but I think it's it was first voiced by Solace, the historian. When they were, you know, he divorced her and they said, well, she didn't. Do you have proof? He said, Caesar's wife must be above suspicion. Mm. So a presidential candidate must be above suspicion. That's what DeSantis may be saying. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, let's turn to Biden then. And I know, of course, that it's very early, but he has announced and there's been so much uh, flurry out on the uh main in this in the media period about the fact that he announced his running run for the 2024 um election and he has only 37% approval rating and his approval among those under 30 is at 26 non-white adults he's at 42% and urban residents 42% and those with non-religious affiliations at 46% those are all his constituencies and yet he's polling very low on that and so i was wondering if you had any thoughts on this bi- Biden for president. Are you still sure it's just going to fizzle out? Biden? Yeah. That he's going to fizzle out? Yeah, that he won't be the running person in 2024. He's going to run. Yeah. He says he's going to run. Does that mean he's going to run? That's going to mean he's in a race, right? He's in a race. On one side, there's onset senior dementia. And it's it's progressing, as I've said, geometrically. On the other side, there is naps, putting a lid on work at two o'clock, Adderall, Prevagen, whatever that clear mind clearing antioxidant drug is that he takes. And we'll see. And they're gonna they're those two lines are gonna cross somewhere. They're either gonna cross after the election or right before. But I can guarantee you he won't be able to do four years if he were to be elected. There's no way in the world that this man can can perform for the next six years. And that's going to be in the mind of the voters when they vote for him. They're going to vote for him on the on the presupposition, just like with FDR 1944. They knew that if you voted for FDR, you were voting for a dead man. And he would not, not, not fill out that presidential term. And they had you know, they had a big problem with that because they had Henry Wallace, who was a certified communist as a vice president. And then they got the old boys of the Democratic Party in a smoky room. They lit up their cigars and said, he ain't going to be the vice president because I'm not going to have a communist on our ticket to be president. And Roosevelt kind of defended him. He liked commies. And they kicked him off and they brought in good old Harry Truman, who was sort of tainted from his... Mm -hmm. uh, there was, you know, the mafia of Missouri. He was involved in that. But 
he had a reputation of being sort of a clean senator, a common man. He had investigated military inappropriate and fraudulent spending during World War II, and he stepped in, and everybody knew who is this guy. And Roosevelt liked the idea because Roosevelt was a narcissist, and he did not want a preeminent vice president to overshadow him as he declined. So this was a non-entity. He didn't tell Truman zilch. He didn't tell him about the bomb. He didn't tell him about Allied strategy. And then he conked in April of 1945, just as everybody knew he would. So if Biden selects a vice president, that vice president, if he should win, will be president. Everybody knows that. And everybody knows it cannot be Kamala Harris. Yes. So Who do you think it can be? Oh, Wow. I suppose the left will try to make him have Elizabeth Warren. She seems to me about almost as much baggage. Or they may try to get, I'm not going to get Michelle Obama, but maybe they're going to try to deal with, can't in that party, you can't have two white guys. And if they bring in Gavin Newsom, it doesn't do any good. They've already won California from mm. the moment the polls close. So what does Gavin Newsom bring to the table except a guy to overshadow Biden? That's not going to happen. So I don't know who they're going to get. They're going to have to get some Kobushar or some non-entity, quote unquote, left of center, but not Jacobin candidate. And we'll see. But they've got a lot of problems about that. So, yes, he's going to run and he's going to decline and decline. And Corinne Jean-Pierre is going to lie, lie, lie. But at some point. And I think we've reached that point. You can't lie about reality. That border is wide open and he has no clue. The cities are in a mess. It's like medievalism. He has no clue. I just saw gasoline and diesel, $5.50 a gallon today for diesel and $5.05 for gasoline in California. And he and that's the cheap part of California. And he has no clue. He has no clue about what's going to happen in Ukraine. He has no clue about the whole contours of this transgender issue he's embraced. No clue. And that's just the way it is. And and yeah. he's going to get less and less of no clue as it goes on. And it's, yeah. it's a wonderful opportunity for the Republicans because good old Joe Biden from Scranton, who's the big uniter, and not one of these crazy squad people, and he's going to be nice and not tweet. That's a lie now. Everybody knows it. He was a mean SOB. He's Darth Vader, Phantom of the Opera speeches, ultra MAGA, semi-fascist. He lies. He lies about the death of his wife. He dies about the death of his son. He dies about meeting, uh, being arrested in civil rights in Atlanta and civil rights in South Africa. He says he was a truck driver. He got kicked. He lied about cheating in law school. He lied about his speech that he plagiarized in 1988 from Neil Kinnock. He lied and said there was no vaccine when he came in office, although there'd been 17 million. He lies about everything. He lied about the laptop. He had mor morale call. Uh, morale was called by Blinken. Blinken got the 51 people to lie. Joe Biden used that lie and looked right in the American people's eyes. Said, this is Russian disinformation. He knew it was. And he knew it. He said he lied to us when he said he had never, never met any of what Hunter's associates. He has a picture of them with him. 
He lies yes. like corn pop. That was a complete lie. Mm. Everything he lied the other day. He said that. Well, you know, I, I got I only got the uh, student loan program through by two votes. No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't even bring it to Congress. You didn't even. There was no bill before Congress. They, there was no vote. You just had an edict. It just <laughs> he lied the other day. He said, "Well, I'm going to be having a press conference and we'll address that." No, you're not. You're having a private interview with MSNBC. You're, you can't. He, he was a liar before he was demented, and now he's a demented yeah. liar. Yeah, and he's it's to his advantage because his supporters say he doesn't know where he is. Don't blame him. You hate old people. You're making fun of people with Alzheimer's. No, I'm saying that he was a liar before this. He was a hair blower and dress grabber and even perhaps a sexual assaulter. But now he's got an excuse when he blows into somebody's hair or he says weird, wacky things or he leaves a podium and he doesn't know where he is. So, yeah. So they they've got, in other That's words, a big problems, the Democrats. That's why you see all these articles. I was noticing them. Dems have seek, sinking feeling that Trump could beat Biden. And then another left wing. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're th scared because uh, they think they, you know, they're Dr. Frankenstein and they made this little Trump Frankenstein and they thought he was going to be so crazy that he couldn't, he's just going to go out and do what they wanted. And that is destroy DeSantis and then get indicted. And then he jumped out with the electric bolt and grabbed them by the neck and strangling them <laughs> and saying, yeah, you created me and I may eat you in that general election. And that's terrifying. For yeah, them. We have a long way to go. Terrified. We don't, we have no idea because just envision it like this, that Trump is in a wrestling ring and they sent in this lawsuit woman and she's attacking him. And then outside the ring, there's Bragg going, let me in, let me in, let me in. He's weak, weak. He's going to go in. Then Latita James said, well, you can't take him on. I will. And after Graham gets him weak and then she goes in and wrestles Trump and then Willis down floors. I got the better deal. I got the phone call. Let me get in there. And then. Smith says, okay, all four of you go at him and I'm going to come in and knock him out right in October of 2020. That's how they envision the whole thing. Yeah. And do you think, I think the wild card is, do the American people put up with all of these lawsuits exactly, against Trump? That's exactly and believe what him? it is, is mm -hmm. the American people are saying, you know what? I am so sick of weaponizing no one ever. They're going to say either one of two things. They're going to say he would have never been indicted by Willis or Latita James, if it was anybody else. Or what about Biden? Look at Biden's crooked family. Are they indicted? Look how Biden overvalues things. How about, is Tara Reid going to file a lawsuit? They threw it out. This is just completely asymmetrical. Or are they going to say, you know what? These SOBs are going to tie Trump down and wound him and bleed him. And I empathize and I think it's terrible, but I'm tired. I'm going in my fetal position. I'm putting my hands over my ears. And like Elliot in True Romance, I'm saying, I can't take this anymore. And just get Somebody down. Save me. Or I'm going to be like Ted Turner. Remember <laughs> Ted Turner said that every once in a while he couldn't take it. He closed the door of his executive suite and got in the fetal position. <laughs> or we're going to be like that transgendered woman in San Francisco. I'm going to show you how. And she started maybe screaming. How feel. I said, I can't take Stormy. I can't yes. take 
I can't take Latina James. I'm just sick of Alvin Bragg. I never want to hear about more Lago and Jack Smith again, or whatever his name is. I do not want to hear about the phone call in Georgia. Just take it all away. Make it go away. And if that's true, then DeSantis (laughs) will be in a good position. Yes, he should be in a good. Well, we'll see if what turns out for him. Well, let's take a break and then come back and talk a little bit about the U.S. border since Title 42 is ending today. We'll be right back. Have you heard of cancer fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com fieldofgreens.com. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to the Victor Davis Hanson Show. And Victor, the U.S. border is in for a change today. I don't know if there's any recent um, news as yet, but it sounds like we're going to get a flood of new immigrants to add to our big flood of millions of immigrants already. What are your thoughts on the border? Well, there's uh, it's now one thirteen on a Wednesday in California, and I just turned on the news. There's been 10,000 people detained at the border today. It's a new record. And for each one detained, it's usually six or seven that got across. And so what was Title 42? You remember during the coronavirus that said that uh, Trump passed that executive order that you could expel illegal aliens because of the health threat of COVID. Remember that? Because we were telling the military, you're going to have to kick this uh, Marine veteran with the Silver Star because he didn't want to get vaccinated, even though he's had COVID twice. But but you're going to let in this guy from Mexico. You have no background check without a test or a COVID. Finally, that was so ridiculous. Trump, they tried to overthrow it. And that's been in existence. And the left was really upset because they wanted to perpetuate the COVID crisis and all the emergency measures like, you know, third party voting harvesting and don't have to turn in your taxes. 
And now this was part of it. So when all those faded, now this is faded. And so we're going to see a huge uh, influx. But I'm getting so tired of people, the Mitt Romney, Mitch McConnell type of pundit who says, well, you know, the Republicans just weren't prepared for this. Excuse me. Uh, the Democrats weren't just prepared for this. They're not prepared. And this is embarrassing. No, 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 no. They're prepared. This was by intent. They're behind their their closed doors and they're saying, you know what? Mission accomplished. We've got 40 million people and we're getting up to 50 million that were not born in the United States. That's 13, 14 percent of the population. That's a near new record. Those are all constituents. They need massive support and health and education and food and housing. And we're here to give it to them with a bigger federal government. And they're going to be the types of voters that help us flip California and Nevada and New Mexico and Colorado blue. We have an agenda that nobody wants. Look at look at Biden's polls. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants his border. Nobody wants this crime policy. Nobody wants his energy policy. Nobody wants his racial relations policy. Nobody wants anything about him. And but but we have two things that he doesn't have. He's like the Wizard of Oz. But they have one thing you don't have: <laughs> a diploma or a heart. They have one thing you don't have, Mister <laughs> uh, Republicans. You don't have the corporate boardroom, the media, Silicon Valley money. The foundations, K through 12, academia, professional sports, popular culture, Hollywood. And we can get that message. And another thing you don't have, you don't have the ability or the testicles to change the demography like we're doing. And we're going to call it demography is destiny, demography is destiny, demography is destiny, demography is destiny. We write books with John Judas does it. Lanny Davis was one of the first. We're going to brag with James Carville. We're going to brag about it. We are changing the demography. Sorry, old white guy. You're just put you in a wheelchair and out of mind, out of thought. It's not, It's your era is over. And if you dare say that, then we're going to call you a racist because you believe with Tucker Carlson, the great replacement theory. And that is racist. Well, bottom line, they're happy. They got six and a half to seven and a half million illegal entries. And now the people are angry and this is going to bring in another million right away. And they've got an election coming up. So even though Karine Jean-Pierre says, you know, this is a political thing when Trump used the uh, the military, they're going to send the military down. It's not going to do anything. They're going to talk about comprehensive immigration reform. They're going to blame the other side. But the fact of the matter is they want these people to come. They, you know, of course, Eric Adams and Lori Lightfoot, you know, it's, well, we don't, we'll, we'll welcome them. We're sanctuary cities. And then when they start coming like they do in Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California, then all of a sudden it is, this is racist to just dump them in our city. I don't understand that. They should welcome them. Mm. That's what they want, but they don't want. And so now it's starting to affect the Manhattan socialite or techie who's going to have a hotel full of illegal aliens right in midtown Manhattan or in Chicago. And a lot of poor people who are not, you know, they're not necessarily Hispanic, but black as well or white. They're going to say, wait a minute, I don't get a free phone. I don't get a free hotel. And I, 
I didn't break the law. These guys broke the law. We're rewarding them. It's not going to go over well. There's nothing political about it. Another thing that's just a joke is they're saying, and I hear this a lot on Fox too. Well, this is terrible because we're the way we're treating the immigrant. We're just bussing them around as if they're pawns. No, you're the pawn. You are the pawn. The American citizen is the pawn. Somebody in Mexico, Guatemala, they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They're not starving. If you look at the people coming across the border, they're not 90 pounds. If anything, they're suffering from obesity, as the UN statistics on obesity show us that some of the most obese people in the world are in Mexico. They're not starving. They want to come into the United States because it has the most generous social safety net in the world. And that's why they're coming. And they don't give a damn about immigration law. They will willingly break it. They will lie. They'll take, they'll break it. And they will have no problem residing here illegally as the second illegal act. And if the third requires them to ignore a summons they sign, they would appear or to get a fraudulent ID. They're, be- they're very happy to do that, too. So don't tell me that we are victimizing these poor migrants who they know they're they're breaking the law, just as if one million Americans crossed that border illegally and you got went into Mexico, you would be breaking the law. The second thing is, well, Mexico is a partner. That's what Joe Biden said today. No, they're not. They get $60 billion from remittances. What is a remittance? That means somebody comes in illegally and gets a job or gets on welfare or both, and we subsidize their health and their education and their food and their medical care. And that frees up 300 bucks a week to send back to Mexico to support family members that the Mexican government will not send. And it's the biggest source of foreign exchange. And then they get 40 million, 40 million expatriates that are a lobbying organization, basically. Oh, Victor, that's so unfair. That's callous. No, I just quoted President Obrador almost word for word verbatim. He said, it's a beautiful thing that 40 million cross the border and are living in the United States. And he said, I told them not to vote Republican. That's exactly what Mexico does. The longer you're away from Mexico in the United States, the nicer Mexico becomes. You get nostalgic as long as you don't have to go back and live in Mexico. And that's a typical immigrant, you know, my grandfather used to tell me that. He said he'd get so tired of these Swedes, you know, who said, oh, Sweden was so much better. And then he's, you know, he was born in Chicago, but his father was an immigrant. And his father said, no, they weren't. They lived as the dregs of Swedish society. They had nothing. They only romanticized Sweden because they don't have to go back and live there. They're here in the United States. And so that's another thing that it, it's it's Mexico wins, wins, wins. They get lit, rid of their dependents that they would have had to support. They get rid of a potential revolutionary force that would agitate for social change. They get they have a safety valve. They get the remittances. They get the expatriate communities. And the Chamber of Commerce, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, wing of the Republican Party, get cheap labor, as they've always gotten. And the Democrats get a constituency, a demographic change constituency. And everybody's happy except the middle-class American that has to pay for it. Everybody you yes. see crossing today, 
has no ability to support themselves. And they will, well, th- they're going to go immediately on to social welfare entitlements. And that's going to have two things. That's going to impact the budgets of these cities and states. And it's going to tell the U.S. citizen, many of them black and Mexican-American, who is in line for food stamps, who is in line for kidney dialysis, who is in line at the emergency room, who has a child with an ear infection. It's going to be get in line because the illegal alien is going to be competing with you for those social services. And it's going to tell the California taxpayer, the Texas taxpayer, the money's got to come from somewhere. Medi-Cal has doubled almost its budget since 2010 in California. It's getting up to nearly half the the budget. And if you want to know why we don't build dams and we don't build new freeways, it's not just Gavin Newsom doesn't want them. He doesn't have the wherewithal because it's going into social welfare program. Yeah. So it's it's everybody wins except the American citizen. It's worse, though, I think, than that, because I think your your old white guy goodbye is only a mask for getting rid of or subverting everything that comes down in from to us from Western civilization, which would be a total disaster. Oh, well, I mean, if everybody here in this country, yes. if everybody, if every listener just takes a deep breath and follows the logic, it's terrifying. So this country was founded on different principles of the Mexican nation and, by extension, the Spanish Empire. Spain had a rule that if you were going to be an immigrant in South or Central or North America, you had to be Catholic and you had to be a subject of the Spanish Empire or get special permission. Northern America was fought over by the French and the Dutch and the Amer- and the British. There were no such restrictions. And second, when the Spanish came, there was a heavily populated area of indigenous people. If you look at the central Mexico square mile population versus Colorado or Utah or Nebraska, it was like night and day. So there was a large indigenous population and a Spanish, mostly male, mostly male conquistador profile. And these were the toughest people in the world. They came from Castile in large part. They had been fighting for the Reformationists since 1490s. And they had been fighting in the Reconquest for two centuries, and they were skilled fighting Muslims in North Africa and Spain and Protestants in the Habsburgs Empire. Okay, that male culture came over here and subdued this huge indigenous population. It was very different than the United, in North America. There were not as many Native Americans, and the people came were diverse. They came from Britain. They came from Ireland. They came from Wales. Soon they came from Germany. They came from France. They came from Holland. And soon they came from Eastern Europe. And they brought families. And they had a a completely different take on Western civilization than the Spanish take and the indigenous people's take. And the result was that an independent judiciary, a constitutional republic, free market capitalism, rationalism unfettered by religion or state intervention, uh, a pretty much 
laissez-faire tax system and regulation system created enormous amounts of wealth and freedom. And so a lot of people then decided in the 19th century, especially that the paradigm that the Spanish empire imposed on its colonies doesn't work. And we want in on the North American paradigm. And because we're closer than Canada, they swarmed into the United States, which I have no problem with. If they come legally, they come with skill sets, they take the effort to learn the English language, and they assimilate, integrate, and intermarry. But when you bring that many people in, and they're not diverse, and they don't speak English, and they don't have high school diplomas, and they don't have capital, and they don't have legality, and there's no background checks, and you put them among a host, i.e. us, who no longer believes in the singularity of Western civilization or of American culture and civilization and feels that they don't have the right or indeed the knowledge to imprint on the immigrant. This is the American way. You speak English. If you want to come here, we didn't ask you to come here, but if you come here, you learn English immediately. You be self-sufficient immediately. You learn about the Declaration, the Constitution. You know what the 4th of July is. Wave your Mexican flag. Do whatever you want. Speak Spanish in your home. But when you're in the public square, you're an American. We don't do that. And so yeah. what we do do is when I look at six and a half million entries, I say to myself, well, they're going to meet a host that has no confidence in their own civilization. They're going to meet a host that's going to exude generosity and public entitlements, and they're going to get a squad dash, Al Sharpton dash, this is a horrible racist country. The moment you step across the border, you have legitimate grievances about your new host, and your kids are, and you are immediately eligible for affirmative action, racial preferences, set-asides, diversity, equity, inclusion, because... You left a wonderful paradise of a different paradigm that is so much better than ours. You just left it for, I don't know why you would do it, but you did. And now you went into hell and we're going to help you. That's the attitude. It's not going to work. No. It's not going to work. Every time, you know, I, it's a, it's insidious. I, I taught for 21 years and the majority of my students were Mexican-American, wonderful students, but I would have students that would come from Mexico and were still not legal. And I, I, had a, I had a famous conversation. I think I mentioned it to you once. Well, I had a very bright student. And I went out during the 187 protests and they were burning the flag. And he was participating. I said to him, why in the world? I just walked over there. I said, out of class. I said, why? I won't mention his name. You may hear about it. I said, why in the world are you burning the flag of the country you under no circumstances want to leave? And over here, you've got a Mexican flag, and they're waving the flag of the country under no circumstances you won't, you won't go back to. Just explain that to me. And he couldn't, could not explain. And then he started telling me all the bad things about America that he'd learned. And I said, wait a minute. You came in my class three years ago. You had only been in the United States 10 years. I spent... 10 independent studies with you. You were a brilliant student. You got free tuition. You were not a legal citizen. You were here illegally, and yet you got in-state tuition. In other words, you got preference at one-third the cost of a U.S. student in my class from Utah, and you were not even an American. He is. 
but he paid three times more as an American to go to a California university than you did as a, a non-American, and we're here illegally. And and you've had all the benefits of America, and I'm spending more time with you than any of my other students because you're so bright. And all you can do is go out and participate in burning a flag of your own this country. Don't come and see me until you can get that straight. That's what I told him. Yeah. And well, just did. to ma- make it add worse to bad, um, it seems to me that if you look at the pictures of those coming across, they seem to be 15 to 30-year-old male and not a whole lot of females and children. Nope. So I don't think there's families. And, and why across. is that? That's why, because I think any woman a family, if you had a family, would you bring your wife and little children with that group when no. they're bringing in drugs? They're criminals. There's all sorts of people coming across. There's no audit. Just yesterday, they published all the people they had come across. There was a sex offender. There were felons. There were fentanyl. You don't want your family around those people. No. There's incidences of rape and sexual assault. Donald Trump was hated because one of the first thing he said is Mexico's not necessarily sending its best. Nope. Well, I think he meant by that the people who were educated, had incomes, had homes, and were welcoming the other people. Another thing that's, I have to be very careful, but another, there's another subtext here. And I've been to Mexico a few times, and I remember the earlier generations of uh, immigrants. They were largely from northern Mexico and across the border. And when I was in, uh, grammar school, and most of the people were from Mexico, they would have uh, all sorts of, you know, we festivals, and they would talk, and they'd go back to Mexico, and etc., etc., etc. But when you talk to them, they were, you would talk to them, where are you from? I'm from Durango. Oh, where are you from? I'm up from Hermosillo. I'm from Sonora. I'm from Sonora, Victor. I'm from Nogales. I'm from Chihuahua, and some of them would be from Durango, right? And then I started to notice something. The last 25 years, no, they were from Michoacan, or they were from Guerrero, or Puebla, or Oaxaca, mostly. In other words, they were all the way down. Chiapas was a big one. near uh, A lot of people from Chiapas and Oaxaca. So what am I getting at is that as you go south of Mexico City, you get a larger indigenous population that's much more impoverished and exploited and victims of racism because there's a lot higher degree of indigenous people that have less of Spanish assimilation. So what I'm saying is that it's very you're you're welcoming in the poorest of the poor from Mexico who have been subject to enormous discrimination. And that's why if you go into Central Valley towns, you'll see Michoacan or Oaxaca bakeries. Or when you go into the bank or when you go into a food store, you'll start to see some people who will not quite speak Spanish. And the clerk will look at you. You know, it's happened to me about three months ago. The clerk looked at me and I said, don't look at me. You speak fluent Spanish. She said, this person doesn't. And. It's, you know what I mean? It would be like an Irish brogue to such a degree you couldn't understand it. So yes. it's it's different. And these are very different types of immigrants. They're much poorer. They have a lot more 
claims on social services to achieve parity than the prior yeah. immigrations. And you can tell because when you see a third generation immigrant from northern Mexico, they often feel baffled or they're not quite sure. It's kind of the difference between Eastern Europeans and Western Europeans. And there's some very good things when people are very poor and they're very desperate. They're enormous. I mean, I can see people from Oaxaca. You put a lot of those workers out in a field or on a roof or painting or ha- they're extremely hard workers. But they have a lot more obstacles for full assimilation as American resident or citizen. And that's another yes. thing we don't talk about. And, uh, you know, it's I. I was not too long ago with a Mexican-American friend, and he just said, that person, that person, that person, that person's from Oaxaca. I said, how do you know that? And he just named, you know, this person has a long woven ponytail down to her. This person is of this height or this weight or this. And they, they could tell that and this person speaks Spanish or this this way. It's a very distinct type of immigration that's occurring now, and it's yeah. being encouraged and I'm not saying it's bad or good or, or more advantageous or less, uh, just more difficult. And it, it presents a lot more challenges. And it's occurring with the promotion actively of a racist Mexico City government. Mexico City has deliberately neglected Chiapas and Oaxaca and Michoacan. They have, they have neglected the people there. And they want those people to immigrate to the United States instead of being drains on the entitlement budget of Mexico City. They see them as earners for rare uh, foreign currency by sending yes. remittances. And it's completely contrived and aided. And that's Donald Trump, to his credit, saw that. And he told Obrador, you, you keep doing it. You're not going to have any of your trade concessions from NAFTA. And Obrador, you know, bitched and moaned, but then he showed something that we all know that when you're tough and fair, you get you're treated better. And when you're weak and obsequious like Biden, you they treat you like dirt. And that's what they do now. Yeah. And with that, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and come back and talk a little bit about the US debt. We'll be right back. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back, Victor. So the debt 
is also in the news this week because the House has its um, budget that it wants to put forward, and it has said it will agree to a debt ceiling increase if um, there will be um, spending cuts. And so they seem to be fighting over this. Joe Biden, I guess, is going to veto it if they ask for spending cuts. Who wins this standoff here, which seems to be what the case is? The House says this is how it's going to be. And the president says, I'm not going to I need the increase in the debt ceiling, but I don't I'm not going to go with the spending cuts. Who wins? Uh, Well, usually when you shut it depends on who blinks. But usually when you shut down the government, then people can't get their Social Security checks or their Medicare or whatever. And that's a loser. So Kevin McCarthy, and it's also a loser to keep going what we're doing. McCarthy's argument is the toll is coming due. This government has printed so much money that even if you want to borrow two trillion like Biden is doing, the the economy can't withstand it anymore. We've got we had up to nine percent. Even this month, it's five percent. Everybody thinks, well, so what? Well, that's five percent on top of another last year's five percent. So prices have gone up about fifteen or twenty percent since he took office, and. It's not sustainable anymore. It's 130% of GDP is what we owe. Eight, seven to eight trillion of it is to foreign bondholders of the $33 trillion. And we've got inflation and we have banks failing. And we had this transition from a decade of zero, which is really negative interest, to 7% on 30-year mortgages. And a whole bunch of banks have a lot of mortgage debt that that they only get, what, 2.5%, 2.9%, and they don't have enough 7% mortgages to make up the difference. And they've got to pay to be competitive 4 or 5% on their passbooks that are, you know, held for a year or so, and they can't do it. And everybody's got, and everybody says, well, the house prices will go down. They're not going down because the people in them are not selling like they would. So if you've got a house right now and it's worth $500,000 and it's got a 30-year 2.9 mortgage, if you tell, you sell it and you say to the seller, uh, the buyer, well, just assume my mortgage from the bank. The bank's not going to do that. Not going to do that. The, 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 the person who sells the house is going to have to buy a new house unless he dies and he's going to have to pay what? 7%. So he thinks about that. And the person buying the house will have to pay 7%. So the market is static. People are not selling or buying. They're just holding and holding and holding and wondering what's going to happen. Is interest going to go up or down? They don't know. It depends on the economy. But I have a feeling that the economy is, we're headed for a big recession. Yes. And it's, and you know what? The Democrat, the, I, I really admire Kevin McCarthy. He's he, he he met with Biden three months ago, so he knows that he can't shut the the government down unilaterally and not get hurt by it. But he's telling Biden, "Why don't you just stop the two trillion? But he's he's going uphill because this is the problem that when the millennium started, George W. Bush increased the debt. You know, he almost doubled it. He didn't quite double it, but he almost did by deficit spending. And then Barack Obama came in and said that Bush used, what did he say? He just charged thing with a Chinese credit card. 
Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. George Bush came in here and you just borrow like a Chinese. And then he doubled it. He did double it. And then Trump came in, and you can argue that COVID required a lot of inflationary policies and Keynesian um, protocols. But even in 2017 and 18, we didn't balance the budget. We didn't get anywhere close. So Republicans who were supposed to be tight-fisted and physical conservatives lost their credibility. So the Democrats basically said, (laughs) When you guys are president, spend all you want. We want, we love it. You're doing all we want. We're really inflating the economy. We're getting bigger government. And more importantly, you're losing all credibility. So when we get back in and spend even more than you do, you have no credibility. If you try to shut down the government, we're just going to remind everybody what spendthrift you were. And so it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's a duel. Each guy has a gun to his his head, and everybody knows that you have to stop spending. You got to go something back to something like the Smith Bowles, you know, that the Alan Simpson Erskine yes. Bowles idea that you were going to have just three tax credit, three tax brackets, and there was going to be very few deductions, and it was going to be simplified, and you're going to have to cut this and freeze that. And it would have worked. We would have been in a ballot budget. If you look at that, when that was a, proposed by Obama, of course, he rejected it as soon as they came back. Uh, we would have be right now on a balanced budget. But it didn't happen. And so, as we've talked before, if we keep doing this, if you go back to the Roman Republic or the Venetian Republic or crisis in Britain, the 19th century, or you look at what the French Revolution, there are ways to get out of it. You can either inflate the currency and pay back like the Germans did with Reich Marks in 1923. They paid back their indemnities. They paid them back, but they paid them back with worthless marks and ruined their economy. Or you can renounce the debt. You can just say, well, we owe $33 trillion. We'll pay the $7 trillion off for foreign holders because that's our reputation. But we're going to pass a law that says if you have a net worth of $5 million, you can stand and get a bullet in the head. We're not going to pay you. And they have some precedent. Remember the, the Chrysler bailout under Obama where they had it went bankrupt and they had all the list of creditors? They gave all their friends they put them to the head of the line, union pension funds, medical funds, union retirement. And the people who had the actual paper took the hit. So they can just say, yeah. well, you know what? Yeah, I know you have some T-bills and the government owes you some money. But anybody who's worth over this amount of money, sorry, it's defaulted, can do that. And then they can say, well, and then you'll say, well, I'm never going to buy a government bond. Well, what else are you going to buy? Banks are closing. Or they can do this. And this was proposed, yeah. uh, floated during the Obama period. If you have a huge 401k over this amount of money, we can give you credit for Social Security years. So we'll take $100,000 of your money and then give you one year or two years of Social Security credit. They could do that. So there's ways <laughs> to get around this, but it requires the government lying and stealing. But that's not yeah. new. I mean, and you can see where it's going, to be frank. Just think we had that Colorado City Council woman. Did you see her the other day? 
she said that basically indigenous people and people who were brown and black were paying an extra surcharge tax, I guess called racism, and therefore white businesses should pay more than they do. And yes, then I... we, California, the reparations committee just commission just recommended 800 billion billion twice the budget of the entire state so that eight generations ago they may or may not have had slaves and their family and then they're going to be paid by people who eight generations ago may or may not but because we're an immigrant state and we were never a slave state almost nobody has a relative in california that had slaves and they're going to pay for that and then we have this new PG&E, Southern California Edison proposal that passed the legislature that your power bill will be based on how much you make, not how much you use in part. So we're already ha floating all of these socialist ideas because we're broke. And yes. kind of what Obama said in that 2008 campaign, I, I, I want to spread the wealth. It seems like socialism is just coming it's on here, whether here. we it's like it or here. not yeah it's here in all of its manifestation it's not just financial when they abolish the sat score or they abolish uh ranking high school grades uh you're you know you go to the menlo school and you get an a or you go to parlor high school and you get an a and they're the same thing uh i'm sorry or if you apply for uh, if you're down in hollywood you're going to have a quota of how many Movies can be made with this particular racial component. That's socialism of a different sort, but it's socialism. And it's a war. That's really, really, of all the things that scare me about this country, the border, the defunding, the crime, the energy, it's the destruction of merit that is the most scary. Because yes. that, you can see what will happen. You get so many incompetence. And then they will find, when you promote somebody, hire somebody, tenure somebody, who didn't earn it according to the existing criteria that's fair, then they're, that's not the end of it. That's the beginning. Then they're going to come up with an entire exegesis about how they really, really did deserve the job. Yes, I'm an air traffic controller. Yes, I have no pilot previous experience. Yes, I didn't score as high as the other people. But I'm just, I, I'm, uh, there was bias and I enjoy this job. Now, if I've screwed up on the wrong way, it's because of this, it's not because of me. <laughs> and that's how it works when all across the fields. Okay. See. You are scaring me, Victor Davis Hanson. You should be scared. Now we're coming to the end of our podcast here. So. You should be scared because remember what the 90s was. Every time you read some conservative or right-wing guy lambasting the absurdities of affirmative action, they always said this, to show you how much contempt they have for higher education or schools. They're using us as lab experiments or the federal government or the post office. They would never do it with air traffic controllers. They would never do it with nuclear plant operators. They would never do it with neurosurgeons. Yes, they would. <laughs> they and they are doing it They now. are doing it now. They might maybe, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's not going to live next to a nuclear power plant or he's going to make sure that the guys in his cockpit on his Citation 10 or Gulfstream 4 or whatever it is. Or straight uh, out of the military. Yes, they're military <laughs> combat pilots. Or, you know, he's if he needs to get his head cracked open and have a meningioma taken out, he's going to have somebody that has done 5,000 of them. 
So, but you, Mr. American citizen, no, you're going to, you're going to have a different America to contend with. You're going to go into the pot and see what comes out of it for you. So, all right. Well, Victor, we're at the you're end gonna of You're going to be in podcast. Libya. You're going to be in Libya. First thing I did when I got <laughs> off the plane in 2006 in Libya, first thing I did was I could smell refineries and I saw, you know, all the oil was one of the biggest oil producers. And on the way to the airport, this little Russian car went into a pothole. I don't mean a pothole American style. I mean a meteoric crater where the whole <laughs> part of the car that I was sitting in hit. It must have been three feet deep. And we all had to get out and pick up the car, not very heavy, and get it out. And I said to the driver who spoke some English, I thought you guys were making your big oil exporters. And he said, yes, we are. And I said, well, I thought you make asphalt, which, by the way, is a Greek word from follow, not trip. It's a non-trippable material, a alpha primitive. So asphalt, something that you use so you don't trip. So anyway, I said, well, asphalt should be almost free. He said, not in Libya, not in Libya. I said, what do you mean not in Libya? And he said, nobody knows anything in Libya. Nobody knows anything in Libya. That's what he told me. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, um, I think your dogs have started barking. So yeah. they're calling an end to the show. So thanks to everybody for listening to us today. This has been the Friday News Roundup with Victor Davis Hansen and Sammy Wink. And Victor, did you have anything else? No. Thanks, everybody, for okay. listening. All right. Victor Davis Hansen and Sammy Wink, and we're signing off. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.